Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you a friend of mine, Jennifer Razor, who has doing, well, she's doing so many cool different things that you know, I don't even know where to start. But one of the ones that people know the most about and I think is really exciting is she's very involved in the Burning Man. And that's been a fascinating thing for me to learn more about having moved to the Bay Area in the last five years. So welcome, Jennifer, first of all. Thank you. You've been involved in so many different things. We've had so many different conversations around sort of technology and how it's changed over the course of our lifetimes and what that, how that's involved, impacted our work. And you're also a many time author. So obviously in the publishing space, that's been a big difference too. I'm not even quite sure where to start. So tell the audience a little bit about where you're coming from and what you're working on now. Great. I have been lucky enough to have a couple of careers. I started as an English major and then went to business school and ran luxury retirement communities for 20 years, wrote a book about that, and then sold that business and decided to become an author, which was my first love. And I wasn't sure I could ever make a living doing it. So I put it off until I'd made another living. At the same time, as I started to teach myself how to be a writer, I started going to Burning Man with my best friend from high school and college and never looked back. And Burning Man has an interesting history in San Francisco. It started 31 years ago and moved to the Black Rock Desert in Nevada 25 years ago. And is really, it's not really a festival. It's a celebration of art and creativity and personal expression. And so they didn't have a lot of people with MBAs showing up at Burning Man at the beginning. And so I got involved by partly giving some ideas and suggestions about how process management could work. But I also was enchanted by the idea that here was a place without money or running water or electricity, where people really had to rely on what was in their heart and really collaborate with each other, not only to survive, but to have a beautiful and joyous time. Now it's crazy. It's 70,000 people for one week a year. It's the largest Leave No Trace event in the world. So if you went to the Black Rock Desert today, you would see absolutely no evidence of Burning Man having been there six weeks ago. It's amazing. And the thing that really captivated me about Burning Man was the art. It's the largest art gallery in the world for one week a year. There was over 400 pieces of large-scale sculpture out there. Artists come from all over the world and nothing is for sale. The art is not curated. The artists can bring whatever they choose to bring. It's often built collaboratively. Fire is sometimes a component. It's in many ways the opposite of a museum because the art has to be able to withstand incredible temperatures, heat and 80 mile an hour winds and cold at night, but only for a week a year. So the process of bringing art and building art is even more important than the process of actually displaying art. And all the art is participatory. So the people who come to Burning Man activate the art by climbing on it or lighting it or doing something to complete it. And that is a really exciting concept because it means everyone has a place 
in art. It's not behind a velvet rope. It's part of your experience. And I think the whole art world is not only paying attention to that now, but they're, they're actually moving the, the direction of public art towards that because they're finding people are so responsive to it. I love that. I mean, to me, that's really what's the most appealing part of, of Burning Man. Of course, I've never experienced, so I've got a completely biased opinion from someone from the outside that, ha- that knows a lot of people that have attended. But what really, you know, makes me tempted to want to experience it is a, a lot of those things that you mentioned, but really sort of that being part of an immersive art experience and the community around that is really exciting. And, and having spent many years living in Sweden, that's the way all of the, you know, the sculptures and statues are designed as well is that they're designed so that you can climb on them. It's not like in the States where it's, you know, it's got a, a fence around it and you're not supposed to touch the art. It's more about like, you know, embrace the art, take pictures with it and climb on it. And, and I think that's such a good way for us to, to experience art, but also to share it with future generations. Absolutely. Everything you've heard about Burning Man is true. All the salacious, naughty details are there if you would like them. But there's also lots of law enforcement and there's also lots of grandmas and there's knitting and sewing and gospel choirs and TED Talks and absolutely anything you can possibly imagine is there because the entire experience is brought by the participants. So if you're a math nerd, there's a camp for you where you guys can get together and actually solve math problems together. And if you're into mojitos, you can set up a bar and offer those as a gift to anyone passing by or chocolate fondue or poutine at midnight or Vietnamese pho. I mean, it's incredible. But the art is what what I ended up choosing to write about. So I, I wrote a book called Burning Man Art on Fire that has had a, a wonderful reception because it depicts the art and is a, in many ways a little trip to Black Rock City for people who have not had the chance to go there. It's a dust-free way to go to Burning Man. And so we have over 200 images of art that's there with little profiles of the art, what it's made of, how it was made, the inspiration, and describing the artists. And for me, art is both physically at the center of the Burning Man experience, but emotionally, it's also at the center of my Burning Man experience every year. I go out morning and night and look at art absolutely every single day, and I still do not see all of it, which is one reason you want to go back. Although next year, the art is all different. There's a a few pieces that will come back occasionally, but in general, it's all original and it's there for you to discover, which, which is pretty amazing. I love that. And I think for those of you out there who are interested in Jennifer's book, you can order it on Amazon or other in, in your local bookstore. It's definitely take the opportunity to take a look at some of these images because they are just phenomenal. I'm kind of curious, I mean, being that we're talking about technology and how that's changing the way we work and live, how has technology changed the way people engage with Burning Man or their desire to participate in something like Burning Man? Well, it's interesting. There's two perspectives. One is from the point of view of the artists and how the what the technology that's available to them enables them to build art in different ways. Certainly the LED technology and lighting technology. Remember, Burning Man has no electricity. So any light has to be generated by a generator, by solar panels, by fire, 
it needs some energy source. And the LEDs that require very little energy have really enabled things to be brighter and more colorful and blinkier, which is both a plus and a minus. Certainly at night, it looks like Vegas on the Strip. And you cannot believe this circus of light is self-generated. How people, and I should also say for artists, they're able to do more CAD drawings, they're able to manipulate materials, they're able to calculate their engineering. Imagine having to build something that has to withstand 80 mile an hour winds. So technology can be a real blessing for the artists. On the other hand, the the Instagram syndrome has infiltrated Burning Man, which is a shame. It used to be that your cell phones didn't work out there. Now, sometimes they do. And people are more and more interested in taking pictures in front of the art or of themselves rather than interacting with the art. Now, this isn't everyone. I have a lot of friends, myself included, who we literally turn our phones off at the beginning of Burning Man and we do not turn them on again until we get back to our homes. And that gives you much more of the experience of immediacy, which is one of our 10 principles. Our founder, Larry Harvey, who died this last April, wrote a description of 10 principles that he felt described the Burning Man experience. And a lot of us really try and live by those while we're out there, as well as when we're back in our everyday lives. Radical self-expression, radical self-reliance, radical inclusion, leave no trace, gifting, decommodification, civic participation, communal effort, and then, of course, immediacy. All of these things that describe how a civilized and sustainable society can function in a culture of abundance instead of scarcity. One of the most amazing things that happens at Burning Man is that you're in the middle of nowhere, the nearest store is two hours away, and you have more than enough of everything because everyone shares. And if you've forgotten duct tape, your neighbor next door has it and they're more than happy to share it with you. And if you have extra, you know, if you've made a big salad and you have extra, you literally go out in the street and find someone walking by and say, hey guys, we have extra, does anyone need anything? And invariably someone someone will take you up on it. And this sense of being a community or a village really informs your behavior there and makes you realize people want to be good to each other. People want to interact with each other. They want to play. They want to, to show their best selves. They're just afraid to here. We've, we've built so many walls with each other. We just can't get over ourselves here. But out there, you're dealing with the elements, and that forges a sense of community that's really, really amazing. I know people get all excited about Burning Man, and they go on and on, and I'm sure everyone listening has had that friend that came back and couldn't stop talking about it. But it's because it reminds us who we actually are and not who we pretend to be. Well, I think there's so much to be said for that self-actualization piece. And that's really the part that seems to resonate for most of the people that I've asked about Burning Man. And I think it's fascinating that the way that it has grown over the years and has been able to open up people from all different backgrounds to that space where they're they're totally intermingling in that environment. Does that resonate beyond Burning Man? Do you find that are there now communities that stay connected post Burning Man that are crossing those those barriers that wouldn't normally outside of the Burning Man model? 
there are actually 80 Burning Man events outside of Black Rock City, Nevada, around the world. And I was just in Belgrade, Serbia, giving a talk about Burning Man art at their art biennale. And there were burners in the room, which was pretty amazing. What happens is people come to Black Rock City, they have the experience, they say, I want my everyday life to be like this. And the point of Burning Man is for people to learn to have that experience and have it permeate their everyday life. Black Rock City is one week a year. That's not sustainable. What is sustainable are these values and how people learn to interact with each other. So there are events that share in the Burning Man ethos, but done in a local way. So there's Midburn in Israel, there's a burn in South Africa, there's New Zealand, Australia, all over the United States, Austin, Seattle, Vermont, South Carolina. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then people also gather in smaller groups in their communities to do service projects, to plan art, to work with children, whatever that form of expression means to them, we encourage them to do that. Burning Man is very much a loose affiliation of like-minded people. It's not handed down from on high. So we as an organization like to support people however they want to express those Burning Man principles. So how do you think that's going to resonate over time? And unfortunately, I'm sorry for your loss and that your founder passed away this last year. And I'm sure that that's really impacted sort of the general feel, uh, because I know a lot of people were really sort of followers of him. Did you get a sense that that changed where, what people's perception of sort of what's Burning Man of the future? Or did that more just say, like, let's make sure his legacy lives on? And how do we make that happen? I think it's very much the latter. Larry Larry was a, a wonderful man and a real visionary. And about eight years ago, he began thinking about how to ensure that Burning Man would last at least 100 years. So the first thing that he and his co-founders set about doing was turning an LLC into a nonprofit organization. So Burning Man was basically given to its community by these founders who could have obviously made a lot of money from the Burning Man name and the Burning Man you know, brand, but instead they chose to perpetuate the ideals of Burning Man by turning it into a 501c3. And that has been accomplished. Larry also has been working with colleagues that he sort of had as his apprentices in many ways in every aspect of the work he did. So he would do the art theme. He would be involved with selecting the art. He would work on different public speaking engagements. And he made sure that there were others in the organization who observed him doing it, whom he worked with side by side, and who now carried on. He was, he was a real visionary in many ways, but he ensured that what mattered about Burning Man would live beyond his lifetime. And it, and it will. I promise it will. I love it. I love it. So what are your plans? I mean, you're obviously you still have Burning Man on the plate as part of your project, but I know you've been traveling around doing a lot of other things as well. Can you share a little bit of that? I have a new book coming out actually this week of Bill Murray fan art. It's called The Many Faces of Bill. And it's called The Art of Being Bill, The Many Faces of Awesome. And it's a long title. So it took me a second there. And it is reviews of 35 of his movies from the point of view of a Bill Murray fan and also 
amazing images all done by fans of Bill at every stage in his life and from every film. And it's really remarkable what amateur artists can do when they set their minds to it. It's a really fun book. It's the book you're going to give your brother-in-law when you don't know what to give him for the holidays. (laughs) And It's literally just out this week. Bill Murray knows about it and has not disapproved of it. So we consider that to be as much of an endorsement as you get from Bill Murray. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) I'm also working on another book that is thinking about how the creative impulse happens in organizations, both in corporate Mm. and nonprofit organizations. I think Burning Man has taught me so many things, but one of the things that I have found most fascinating coming from a a corporate and organizational and MBA background is that we have to create an environment for creativity to happen in our daily lives and in the workplace. And all too often we create order and that order squelches the chaos from which creativity stems. So how do we find a balance between being productive and energetic and making a contribution and also allowing our minds to be fully utilized and expansive? And I'm convinced that the kind of play and the kind of interaction we have at Burning Man has a lot to do with how Silicon Valley has been successful and a lot to do with how people can expand their point of view and become more creative. So that's more to come. I would say in the next six months or so, that theory will become fully crystallized and uh, you'll be seeing another book on that basis. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait. We'll make sure that we uh, update the show notes when that comes out so people can find it. I love what you're doing and I, I really love your philosophy and the way that you move in the world. I just really want to say thank you for sharing that with with me and with my audience today. Before we go, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, as you know, sort of my personal passion about how we can use technology or can remove technology from our lives in order to create better well-being and better productivity and happiness for ourselves. Are there any particular tools that you use, whether they're meditation apps or whether they're you know, tracking devices or blocking devices or techniques for building boundaries around your technology that you as a leader or as an author use that you can recommend to folks? You know, I actually think having a week of holiday from your phone every year is a brilliant idea. And the most important component of that is telling everyone you can't be reached for a week. And because otherwise, everyone is really angry that you don't respond to them. When you tell people, sorry, I'm going to Burning Man, there's no cell service there. It's wonderful to not have that phone dogging you all the time. And it also reminds you how incredibly dependent we have become on our devices. So really giving yourself not just a two-hour break, but giving yourself enough time to really let go of it will teach you how much it's taken over your life and how to kind of let it have the right space in your life and not too much. The other thing I learned at Burning Man was a technique called tapping, EFT tapping, which is emotional freedom technique. And it's a very, very simple group of exercises that you do on yourself. You basically tap on your acupressure points and speak your fears out loud. And what that does is it actually scientifically proven, it reprograms the neural pathways. 
And so instead of having that same broken record play in your head about, I'm too fat, I'm too old, I didn't get this done, I can't believe I never wrote that thank you note, I feel so guilty, whatever it is that plays over and over and over your head has a chance to be disrupted. And when it's disrupted, you can write a new story. You can forgive yourself, you can forgive others, and you can let go of that stuff that's holding you back. There's a wonderful woman named Sonia Sophia. She has a lot of videos on YouTube. I would recommend checking out that technology as an incredible way to help you get over your own stuff and get on with what you really want to do in life. She teaches at Burning Man. I found her there and I use the technique and have recommended it a lot because I feel like it's it's powerful and it's zero tech. You just tap on these points. You learn how to do it. You can do it in the car. You can do it in the doctor's office. You can do it when you're afraid on a plane. It's amazing. I love that. And, and I I have several friends that use that technique and they speak volumes about it. They just They just think that it works amazingly well. And I think that's part of that whole self-actualization piece of sort of recognizing what are your fears? What are those things that you need to get out of your way? So maybe we need to have a little moment to, you know, find some group that's similar to a Burning Man type experience or Burning Man itself. For those of you that maybe, you know, Black Rock Desert's a little too far away. It sounds like there's lots of different opportunities around the world nowadays, but just, I hate to use the word tapping, but connecting to a community that really wants to work on those pieces and to make the world a better place and to institute some of those values that come out of Burning Man. I think we all could make the world a little little better place, a little more peaceful, full, a little more love, which we all could use. You know, having having a community that has a set of shared values is what used to be the role of churches or synagogues or schools or or places where people would gather where they knew they could trust one another. And unfortunately, we've become so fractured. The strength of America is that we come from such diverse backgrounds. But we've also had a real problem lately in retreating only with people with the same background. And what I think is much more productive is sharing your life with people who have the same values, who may come from vastly different backgrounds. Hmm. And hopefully experiences like Burning Man or any other kind of shared community endeavor help us get over our differences and find our, our shared purpose, which is the meaning of life. Absolutely. For those of you out there that have not experienced Burning Man yet, how do we find out more information about it or connect to one of these global groups or even buy Burning Man tickets for next year? Is there a, is there a central place that people can go to to find out more information for the global experience? The Burning Man website is phenomenal. It's burningman.org. It's a, as I said, it's a nonprofit. Um, and there's information about all of the above, the event, regional groups, art, there's lots of photos. It can also connect you to there's Facebook groups, Instagram groups. Certainly there's a number of beautiful Burning Man books, not just Burning Man Art on Fire, but if you look on Amazon or look in your local bookstore, there are a number of lovely books that will also give you the visuals. And once you once you're aware of it, burners seem to turn up. So um, one of there's a wonderful exhibit at the Renwick Gallery in Washington D.C. right now that is of Burning Man art. If you happen to be there, and that exhibit is going to travel across the country. So, you know, if you just type in Burning Man 
onto your search engine, use that technology, and you'll find a human being behind it. And that's the thing I most encourage you to do is don't worry about Burning Man online. Try and find Burning Man in person in some way, shape, or form, and go and see if it feels right to you. It's There's, there's a million groups that share these values. Burning Man does not have the exclusive on them, but find a group and connect because community is what we most need right now. And if Burning Man offers that to you or offers you a way to find another community, that's wonderful. I love it. I love it. And and also, I don't want to forget to connect people to your work. Do you have a website where we have links to your books and, and things that are going on for you? Or is the best way to find you on Amazon? Or how do people Actually, find on, Jennifer Razor? On Amazon, it's Jennifer, R-A-I-S-E-R. And then my books are there. Actually, all four of my books are there. I have a book written for Asuline called In the Spirit of Napa Valley as well. It's a lovely travel book. And my Instagram is jennifer.riser, R-A-I-S-E-R. That's where I post everything and links as well. You know, I find even though I do have a, a website, people want to find things immediately. So if I keep my Instagram up to date and my Facebook up to date, it connects with the most people. Well, fabulous. Well, we'll make sure that there's links to that in the show notes so folks can find you and, and check out your new book when it comes out. So that sounds really exciting. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Always great to see authors launching new material. So Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a treat to reconnect with you. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. And for those of you out there listening, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you really enjoyed the show and want to hear more, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a next episode every Tuesday they drop. So look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.